0: CHAPTER 72 OF STRANGE STORIES FROM A CHINESE STUDIO, VOLUME 2 This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. STRANGE STORIES FROM A CHINESE STUDIO, VOLUME 2 BY SONG Ling TRANSLATED BY HERBERT ALLEN GILES, 1845-1935 to CHAPTER 72, THE WOLF DREAM Mr. Pai was a native of Cher Lee, and his eldest son, was called Chera. The latter had been some two years holding an appointment as magistrate in the south, but because of the great distance between them, his family had heard nothing of him. One day a distant connection, named Ting, called at the house, and Mr. Pai, not having seen this gentleman for a long time, treated him with much cordiality now ting was one of those persons who are occasionally employed by the judge of the infernal regions to make arrests on earth and as they were chatting together mr pye questioned him about the realms below ting told him all kinds of strange things but pye did not believe them answering only with a smile some days afterward he had just lain down to sleep when ting walked in and asked him to go for a stroll so they went off together and by and by reached the city there said ting pointing to a door lives your nephew alluding to a son of mr Pai's elder sister who was a magistrate in honan and when Pai expressed his doubts as to the accuracy of this statement ting led him in when lo and behold there was his nephew sitting in his court dressed in his official robes around him stood the guard and it was impossible to get near him but ting remarked that his son's residence was not far off and asked Pai if he would not like to see him too the latter assenting they walked along until they came to a large building which ting said was the place however there was a fierce wolf at the entrance and mr pi was afraid to go in Ting bade him enter, and accordingly they walked in, when they found that all the employees of the place, some of whom were standing about and others lying down to sleep, were all wolves. The central pathway was piled up with whitening bones, and Mr. Pai began to feel horribly alarmed, but Ting kept close to him all the time, and at length they got safely in. Pai's son, Chira, was just coming out, when he saw his father accompanied by Ting, he was overjoyed, and asking them to sit down, bade the attendants serve some refreshment. Thereupon a great big wolf brought in, in his mouth, the carcass of a dead man, and set it before them, at which Mr. Pye rose up in consternation, and asked his son what this meant. "'It is only a little refreshment for you, father,' replied Chira but this did not calm mr pye's agitation who would have retired precipitately had it not been for the crowd of wolves which barred the path just as he was at a loss what to do there was a general stampede among the animals which scurried away some under the couches and some under the tables and chairs and while he was wondering what the cause of this could be in marched two knights in golden armor who looked sternly at Chira, and producing a black rope, proceeded to bind him hand and foot. Chira fell down before them, and was changed into a tiger with horrid fangs, and then one of the knights drew a glittering sword, and would have cut off its head, had not the other cried out, "'Not yet, not yet. That is for the fourth month next year. Let us now only take out its teeth.' Immediately that night, produced a huge mallet, and with a few blows scattered the tiger's teeth all over the floor, the tiger roaring so loudly with pain as to shake the very hills and frightening all the wits out of Mr. Pye, who woke up with a start. He found he had been dreaming, and at once set off to invite Ting to come and see him, but Ting sent back to say he must beg to be excused. Then Mr. Pye, pondering on what he had seen in his dream, dispatched his second son with a letter to Chira, full of warnings and good advice, and lo, when his son arrived, he found that his elder brother had lost all his front teeth, these having been knocked out, as he averred, by a fall he had from his horse, when tipsy. and on comparing dates, the day of that fall was found to coincide with the day of his father's dream the younger brother was greatly amazed at this and took out their father's letter which he gave to cherah to read the latter changed color but immediately asked his brother what there was to be astonished at in the coincidence of a dream and just at that time he was busily engaged in bribing his superiors to put him first on the list for promotion so that he soon forgot all about the circumstance while the younger, observing what Harpy's Chira's subordinates were, taking presents from one man and using their influence for another in one unbroken stream of corruption, sought out his elder brother, and with tears in his eyes implored him to put some check upon their rapacity. "'My brother,' replied Chira, "'your life has been passed in an obscure village. "'You know nothing of our official routine.' we are promoted or degraded at the will of our superiors and not by the voice of the people he therefore who gratifies his superiors is marked out for success whereas he who consults the wishes of the people is unable to gratify his superiors as well chiraz's brother saw that his advice was thrown away he accordingly returned home and told his father all that had taken place the old man was much affected, but there was nothing that he could do in the matter, so he devoted himself to assisting the poor and such acts of charity, daily praying the gods that the wicked son alone might suffer for his crimes, and not entail misery on his innocent wife and children. The next year it was reported, that Chira had been recommended for a post in the board of civil office, and friends crowded the father's door offering their congratulations upon the happy event. But the old man sighed and took to his bed, pretending he was too unwell to receive visitors. Before long, another message came informing them that Chira had fallen in with bandits while on his way home, and that he and all his retinue had been killed. Then his father arose, and said, Verily, the gods are good unto me, for they have visited his sins upon himself alone, and he immediately proceeded to burn incense and return thanks. Some of his friends would have persuaded him that the report was probably untrue, but the old man had no doubts as to its correctness, and made haste to get ready his son's grave. But Chiara was not yet dead in the fatal fourth moon he had started on his journey and had fallen in with bandits to whom he had offered all his money and valuables upon which the latter cried out we have come to avenge the cruel wrongs of many hundreds of victims do you imagine we want only that then they cut off his head and the head of his wicked secretary and the heads of several of his servants who had been foremost in carrying out his shameful orders and were now accompanying him to the capital they then divided the booty between them and made off with all speed tierra's soul remained near his body for some time until at length a high mandarin passing by asked who it was that was lying there dead one of his servants replied that he had been a magistrate at such and such a place and that his name was Pai. "'What?' said the Mandarin, "'the son of old Mr. Pye? "'It is hard that his father should live to see such sorrow as this. "'Put his head on again.' "'Then a man stepped forward and placed Chiara's head upon his shoulders again, "'when the Mandarin interrupted him, saying, "'A crooked-minded man should not have a straight body. "'Put his head on sideways. "'By and by Chiera's soul returned to its tenement.' and when his wife and children arrived to take away the corpse, they found that he was still breathing. Carrying him home, they poured some nourishment down his throat, which he was able to swallow. But there he was, at an out-of-the-way place, without the means of continuing his journey. It was some six months before his father heard the real state of the case, and then he sent off the second son to bring his brother home. Chiera had indeed come to life again, but he was able to see down his own back, and was regarded, ever afterwards, more as a monstrosity than as a man. Subsequently, the nephew whom old Mr. Pye had seen sitting in state surrounded by officials actually became an imperial censor, so that every detail of the dream was thus strangely realized. End of chapter seventy-two